Yo, plug me in. Welcome to episode six of the STEM Plug Podcast. Here at the STEM Plug Podcast, you know, we're here to plug you in with amazing entrepreneurs and innovators within the science, technology, engineering, and math space. And today is no different. We have another amazing guest for you today, and he goes by the name of BattleBot Craig. That's right. BattleBot Craig. How are you doing today, Craig? I, I'm I appreciate doing, you plugging yeah. in, man. <laughs> uh, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. I'm uh, I'm excited to be here. It's going to be cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. So, BattleBots, right? Yeah. We, we we know you, you're into BattleBots. That's very, very interesting to me, right? So, what really kind of inspires you? to get into, you know, really to pursue a career within robotics. I heard I, from your bio, you told me that you watched Jurassic Park, right? And uh, <laughs> that made you want to pursue a career in robotics. It's Where that, did that come from? It sounds really weird when you go, I saw dinosaurs <laughs> and I decided to build robots. So <laughs> I, was, I was seven or eight years old when Jurassic Park came out and uh, I was that kid that was obsessed with dinosaurs. I saw these dinosaurs moving and I was like, that's cool, I want, I want one. How do I get one? And then I, I got a magazine, and in that magazine they showed like behind-the-scene pictures of, of what they were doing, and it was all animatronics. So my dad was like, oh, they're robots. They're not real things, obviously. They're, they're rubber over a robot. And I was like, well, I can't learn how to do the genetic seeding so I can create my own dinosaur, but maybe, maybe I can build a robot that becomes a dinosaur. So it's, it's been a lifelong goal to make a, a T-Rex, a robot T-Rex that walks and, yeah. Yeah, but it was what it kind of what it pointed me in the direction of like I can build things, and so from there on I was making like little animatronic things and using little motors to make uh, make things, and then one day I got introduced to robot combat, and then the rest is history. It was it was like boom, that's this is what I want to spend my life doing. Hmm. So you so you really will say that your interest of Robot fighting, it developed at a young age? I oh, very much saw robotics and dinosaur stuff when I was uh, like seven, eight years old. My dad was an engineer. Uh, my grandfather was an engineer and so on and so on. Like my whole family are engineers. So it's going to be an engineer. I think by birthright, I was going to be an engineer. Like, I, di- I, di- I didn't have a choice. That's what I was going to do. And um, I was in an engineering club after school and uh, we got uh, shown a video of the 1995, 1996 Robot Wars, which was the original version of BattleBots. And uh, I saw these robots fighting. And I'm 12 years old. I'm like, this is amazing. Uh, I want to do this. <laughs> this is this is terrific. Uh, the school decided they didn't want to be a part of it, but I was obsessed. I'd spent like the whole, that was like on a Thursday. And then by Monday morning, I had a, I had a robot that was ready to fight. And they, <laughs> it's like, let's do this. I'm done. Let's fight. I want to do this. And then Basically, every year since then, since I was 12 years old, I've had a robot uh, or I've built a new robot. And I've, I've competed every single year since I was 12 years old. And I'm, I'm 39 this year. So you, I won't tell you how long that's been. But you can work <laughs> it out. It's, it's been long enough. Wow. 
that that's a that's an amazing story of just you know robotic years, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I remember you mentioned to me that you you and your dad built a super heavyweight robot from from scratch. How, yeah. How did you do that? So like, I, back in the back in the old days, when the the weight limits were were a lot lower than they are now. The first robot I built was a radio control car with my grandfather's army helmet on it. It was a really basic thing, and that was my robot. And then uh, we saw the TV show, because we didn't do the first season of the TV show, but the t- first season went out of the TV show, and I was like, this is cool. This is really cool. And they had house robots, and these house robots weighed way more than the competitors. And then the following year, they were like, we're going to do a super heavyweight division that are like, you can build basically robots that are the same weight as the house robots and we're like we want to fight the house robots because they're they're the cool ones they're the ones that were made of fiberglass and they had all of these they, they looked like things they didn't just look like boxes or wedges they looked like things so i convinced my dad that we should build a super heavyweight robot and a super heavyweight robot now would be just a heavyweight robot because the weight limits have shifted everything's gone gone up a little bit so uh, we ended up with a robot that weighed i think it was about 110 kilos which is just shy of 250 pounds and it had four wheelchair motors and pneumatic ram and all kinds of things and it could it could lift and it could drive it drove around and it was awesome it was my probably my favorite robot that we ever built like just me and my dad wow that's that sounds like a lot of cool experiences right what's this about with you and your dad you had a um was it an rc car yeah <laughs> <laughs> you so, turned it into a, a fighting machine. Yeah. So like, my the very <laughs> first the very first robot we did, uh, I saw that video in the school club, and I was like, I want to do this. And all I could see was that they were radio control cars because they all had the radio control stuff that my dad had. And I was like, this is amazing. I want to do this. And um, my dad used to drive radio control cars in like the early nineties, mm-hmm. uh, and then just kind of didn't do it. But we still had all of the stuff. So I was like, I'm gonna get get his RC car out. So I went into the attic and I pulled his RC car out. It's a fairly big thing. And um, the batteries wouldn't charge, so I had to kind of put new batteries in. But it was about the same size as my grandfather's uh, army helmet. And I was like, I need to put a metal cover on it so it could survive getting hit by hammers and stuff. So I drilled two holes in the the back and two holes in the front so that the the posts that the, the body of the of the the car would sit on they would just sit on the 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 army helmet just sat on top of it and i was like this is great but now i need a weapon i was (laughs) like well you know what i just did i just drilled holes in it so if i drill a bigger hole and then put a put the drill through the helmet which is on top because i got a bunch of space on top of it i've got a i've got a wedgie thing around the whole robot it's it's an army helmet so it's going to take a big hit and be fine so i called it drill sergeant and um didn't ask permission from my dad to to do any of this uh definitely didn't ask my grandfather um <laughs> and um i i built it and i zip tied it all together and i i went to my dad's like look what i've built and he was like what have you done wow uh, so i explained to him pretty quickly as like it's a robot for fighting and he's like oh okay and he then saw the tv show it's like oh okay yeah all right yeah all right <laughs> if this gets you into engineering yeah i'm good with it so he uh, he was very forgiving, and uh, he he saw that there was there was something there that I could like pursue. So. Yeah, wow, wow. So I, I guess taking that one when you had all this uh, building these at, as a as a kid, and then you went to school for for engineering. Were you still doing building like this while you were studying doing yeah. engineering? Yeah, uh, in fact, like 
all of my education post building, like uh, turning my dad's radio control car into a robot, um, my dad was my mentor. He kind of like, this is how we do this. This is, this is how you tap holes. This is how you put threads in things. This is how you pick up a, a hacksaw. This is what a drill does. This is what you do. With, you know, he, he mentored me through like how to do all the basics. So from there on, I tailored all of my education towards engineering. So I picked up everything math related, anything science related, anything engineering related. Uh, I knew I could do the mechanical stuff and I knew what I was weak in. So I would sign up for like electronics. Uh, which uh, was a mistake because I'm now nearly 14. I have no idea any, about anything electronic. None <laughs> of that stuff makes sense to me. Mechanical is all I do. Um, but, uh, yeah, it kind of just pushed me into, like, I'm going to do this and this, and that will allow me to do this. And it's the same with my career. Everywhere I've gone, it's kind of been to try and so that I can make better robots. Sometimes I'm going somewhere because they pay more money. That way I can afford the better things <laughs> in life. Or I, I took a job somewhere because they had a machine shop. And they said I could use the machine shop in my downtime. So I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm going to use that. And I yeah. took that job specifically so I could build better robots. Wow, wow. That's amazing that, you know, you were able to just, you know, you had a certain interest that you get, you had as a kid, and then you were able to, like, really turn it into your career. And then, you know, another plug, I guess. We first met at a first robotics competition. You know, we both have teams that we mentor. So how did you really get into first robotics of, you know, wanting to be a, a mentor of showing the next generation the cool yeah. things in robotics that, and the skills that you have? I used to work for Caterpillar in, in Clayton. And um, while I was there, they asked me if I wanted to help out a local robotics team. And they were doing Lego first, the FLL uh, side of things. And that's where I first met uh, a lady called Shannon who, who ran that team. It was great. I, I went along and I kind of pointed them in the right direction with, like, bits and things that they were doing and it was like they were overcomplicating things it's like just keep it really simple just just do this and they were like we want to build a robot arm that does this and this and pushes this so it's like just drive past it and whack it with a stick it'd be fine it does exactly the same. anyway that kind of thing <laughs> um they aged out of lego first and they went off and started doing um frc and uh, they were at a high school uh, doing it but they were in a huge team of like 60 people and that team kind of um they kind of slipped into the background. They were no longer being like encouraged to do things. They were just members of a huge team. So um, Shannon decided that she wanted to start her own team, uh, which was going to be just for girls, and she was going to she was going to try and make it like a local team rather than like a school-based team. So it was going to be a community team. And um, something important to know about Shannon is that she works for the Air Force. And when she asked me if I wanted to be a mentor. I really didn't like the idea of her calling a drone strike on my house. So I was like, nah, I'm, I'll, I'm good. I'll, I'll do whatever you say. No, uh, uh, she, she knew my weakness. She must have spoken to my wife. I love hot dogs. She bought me two hot dogs, and that was it. I was like, yep, I'm on board. Um, but uh, I, remember being, I remember being that age and uh, not having uh, a mentor for the robot side of things, the engineering side of things. My dad was great at. But in terms of like how, how people were like, learn how to do the robotic side of things. I wasn't, there wasn't anybody. And I thought this is my opportunity to do that. Like for other people. Mm. Wow. wow. That's an amazing story. So now you have a, you're mentoring an all girls team uh, in Clayton, North Carolina. How did you, so that team turned into the team at within Clayton? Yeah. So they, um, they were, Shannon got me on board and um, she, Kind of was like, this is what we're going to do. It's going to be an all-girls team. We're going to be based out of 
somebody's garage for a little <laughs> while. We're hoping to find somewhere bigger because we're, we're rapidly outgrowing it. <laughs> um, we've got too many tools for what we need to do. We've got uh, too many robots. We've got so many robots. But that's what happened. So she was like, it's going to be an all-girls team. And it's like, yeah, okay, cool, no problem. It was, like on a side note, I've worked with, Engineer, like I've worked in engineering since I was like 18, and I can count on one hand the amount of female engineers I've worked with. There is a huge disparity in between the amount of women in, in engineering and the amount of men in engineering. So there's no difference in how women and women, female engineers and male engineers work. There's no difference, but you know there's there's a huge disparity. So I thought to myself, well, I can either sit at home and go, yeah, that's a problem, and do nothing about it, or I can volunteer with these girls and hopefully push them in the direction of be an engineer, be an engineer. And uh, one of the good things is that my girls started like, oh, I want to be a ballerina, I want to, I want to do this, I want to do this. And now most of them are like, yeah, I want to be an engineer. I want, I want to do aerospace engineering, I want to do mechanical engineering, I want to do computer programming. It's like, yes, yes, you do. Yeah. Wow, that has to be an amazing feeling that you're able to, you know, share your experience and now you're able to give to the next generation and just show them, different careers that they, you know, really might not even know about, right? But so, you, you have must have the same feeling because, you know, I'm not the only one in this room that does it, so you yeah. know how it feels. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, you know, me, as far as coaching, uh, you know, we're in, we're in our second year, the Cyber Bears. It's been an amazing journey just to, you know, really show uh, kids all the cool things they can do within robotics, right? Me, I'm a robotic engineer myself, particularly within lab automation, and um, it's such a growing field, right? And the field, the interesting field, thing about robotics is it's such a wide different field that you can do a lot of different things within yeah. robotics, right? Yeah, it's, it's not um, just electrical or software. It's mechanical. It's hydraulic. It's pneumatic. It's a bit of everything. Exactly, exactly. And then it's also a cool thing for me. I really say it's, it's a cool thing when you can mentor someone and you're actually learning yourself as mm -hmm. well, right? Yeah. Um, like I, I know of my team, the Cyber Bears, you know, I'm the mentor, but I, I learn from them as well different things since I've been a mentor. So that's a uh, that's an amazing, uh, amazing feeling. Yeah, one of the big things that I've learned with working with the girls is a lot of TikTok dances. <laughs> uh, so uh... okay, okay, I see. You. <laughs> yeah, I see we're you. we're not going to be doing any more of those. Thank you. Uh... <laughs> that's cool. So what what kind of projects and like activities do you kind of undertake as a, a mentor with the robotics team? What do you usually? What side of the so I'm, I'm, I'm mostly on the mechanical side of things because okay. being a mechanical engineer. But what we found with the girls is that when, they, when the team first started, they were all complete rookies. They, they, didn't know, like, they didn't know which end of a screwdriver to pick up. Um, <laughs> and they didn't know the difference between a big screwdriver and a small screwdriver and what you would use them for. And we ended up with these tiny little screwdrivers and these big-ass screws and you're, you're destroying screws all the way through. It's like, oh, God, we use the right tool. <laughs> so a lot of it originally was just showing them what the right tool was. Yeah. and how to use it and a lot of safety side of things but they progressed real quickly and you have some girls that are really good at like the the assembly side of things and some girls that are really good at the electrical side of things you know some girls that just are straight up programmers and they are awesome i got two girls on my team that they're better programmers than i am and <laughs> i've done some plc stuff in the past but they, they wipe the floor with me the, the stuff they're doing is incredible uh, so the girls have kind of found their own um, pathway and we're just kind of it used to be that I was I was physically guiding them through how to use a tool and what we should be doing next and stuff like that now they're self-guiding themselves and uh, I basically make sure they go home with all of the same fingers that they came with so, <laughs> um, there's been a couple of times where that got we got real close but uh, uh, just yeah you know, right now I just kind of 
look over their shoulder and go, do it that way. Yeah, that's good, but do it that way. Uh, or a lot of don't hold it like that. You're going to lose your finger. <laughs> okay. Those kind of things are the kind of things I do. So they kind of guide themselves in what they want to learn. Okay, we can't miss this plug-in right here. You you guys are all all women rookie team, but you actually won the rookie all star at the FRC World Champions. We did. So like. We got to we we got to plug into that. They, how, how does that make you feel? Like? It was it was incredible. So um, we won rookie all star at our first district competition as well. But we were we were like the top ranked team that that day for whatever reason. The robot was just on fire. Not literally. It was just it was it was kicking ass. It was amazing. And then we got to states and um, my girls do a whole bunch of outreach. They do so much community outreach. Um, that um, we kind of thought we'd get Rookie All-Star at State, and then we got it, and it was an amazing feeling. We got to Worlds, and you're surrounded by, like, there's 900-plus teams, like, from all over the world, and you're like, wow, we ain't getting Rookie All-Star here. Some of these guys are incredible. <laughs> and uh, the judges, you know how the judges go around, they interview all of the teams, and they had a, they had a group, group of judges that were judging Rookie All-Star. And uh, we were in a row of rookies. There were, like, there were six rookies in our row. And the judges came to us once and went to the other guys like two, three times. So we thought we'd lost because they only came to us once. They only spoke to us once, and that was it. And uh, we're all sat in the audience because, you know, we didn't get selected for Alliance. And so we sat there, we're enjoying it, and they go, Rookie All-Star Award. And they start talking about us. And it's like, wait, they're describing us. That's our team. And then they dropped g-force robotics and i was like oh my god and i was like i wasn't gonna go up i was crying i was like i'm a, i was crying with joy and they're, they're they're walking off down the the tunnel and they're like i'm getting dragged up by teenage girls like come on you're involved too yeah. i'm literally the only guy on the team i've got 14 women in front of me i'm like i was the last one through because i was like stop crying stop crying <laughs> like i'm the only one crying i shouldn't be the only one crying and i just walked through and it was it's been sensational uh seeing the girls go from literally holding the wrong end of a screwdriver and destroying screws to building a robot with an arm that's got like eight degrees of freedom and like six different autonomous codes. It was absolutely incredible. And it, the, the difference between them in just a year is night and day. Wow. And I really, I, I just want them to go on now and, and win the whole thing. I, I want a world championship banner. That's okay. What I want, eventually. Okay. I, I, I see it. So, yeah, I mean, you know, people see the see the, the the product of that you got that rookie all star award, right? But people don't see those those long hours that y'all y'all took of actually you know building that robot, right? It's a it's a lot of work. What challenges did you kind of face of you know mentoring an all girls robotic team? How did you really overcome those challenges? The challenges uh, are mostly time related. Obviously, the girls are in school, and all of the mentors have jobs. There's nobody that does this full time, as, you, as you're well aware. <laughs> and so, the the time that you can spend on it is um, is your own personal time. So that means you spend a lot of time away from family or away from other commitments. So you have to commit a bunch of time. And that was one thing I didn't really anticipate, as we were saying before. Like, I did not anticipate just how much time it was going to take up. And um, it was the the biggest thing was they were originally only meeting twice a week and that was not enough time <laughs> you know we were putting in maybe six hours a week and it's like yeah we need to double this at least and uh, i think come build season next year we're gonna have to double that again i think we're gonna have to be meeting much more regularly for longer periods and stuff like that so we're operating out of uh, one of the girls parents garage which is great they're, they're super nice to let us have this garage but we have taken over 
and uh, we need to be in there almost 24-7. So biggest thing now, we've got to find a proper workshop. And uh, I'm going to do my BattleBots out of there as well to kind of offset some of the cost. So uh, that's the plan anyway. Okay. You plugged into a perfect segment. Just about to plug into that, right? Okay. So how would you really say your experience as a mentor has influenced uh, your own approach to, like, robot fighting? You know, it's, we know that you're, you're BattleBot Craig, right? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> how does your, your mentor experience, how, how, does, how does the two plug into each other? So, I mean, I've been doing BattleBots and fighting robots since I was, since I was a kid. I was, uh, quite honestly, before I started mentoring, I was completely burnt out from it. BattleBots is, is a huge commitment in terms of time. It's like two, three weeks of filming, and you're usually in Vegas. It, right now it's in Vegas, and Vegas gets old real quick. If, you, <laughs> if you've been to Vegas, you know, like two, three days is about max. And if you're there for two, three weeks, it begins to feel like you live there, and it's not a place to – you're on the strip. Everything's so expensive. It's so hot. It's so tiring. Uh, I got I got snow blindness. It's, that's what I call it uh, from walking around the the tents that we were working in because they're bright white and the sun was so bright that you know it, it, I had sunburn on my eyes because it was I couldn't see. So what they what the, happened with the girls was that they they actually they got me like re inspired. So I, I, I having spent some time with them at first I'm like okay let's go build another robot and then it was like let's go build another robot let's go work on another robot. And my first week uh, filming for the, t the season that finished last night uh, was um, my first week there. They, the girls were at uh, a local competition called Doyen. And um, I spent most of my time <laughs> messaging the girls going, how's it going? Have you, has it, and they're, oh, we broke something. I was like, oh, God, what did you how did you break that? That was welded on. How did you break that? <laughs> and uh, I spent most of my time worrying about them and not worrying about my own robot. And uh, like at the, the 11th hour, I passed safety uh, because I spent so much time messaging them and going, how's it going? I'm watching the streams and be like, God, you got this. You got to do this. You got to do this. And uh, they made me love robots again. They made me love building robots. And so um, I threw together a new version of my robot Slamo. And um, I kind of I, I made, it a, made it look like something. I made it a character because the girls said, oh, you should put eyes on it. You should do this. And I kind of, they kind of like, oh, do this, do this, do this. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a mohawk. I'll paint it black and pink in their colors. And um, I'll give it a giant googly eye that lights up because it'd be funny for them. And they changed my entire approach from trying to be super competitive to just trying to be, just just enjoy what I was doing. That's an amazing feeling, right? Because sometimes we we start to do stuff so so long we we don't have any enjoyment in it anymore so for you yeah. to have that love of the game back is it, great yeah um so slamo right i, I love the name where where did this name slamo come from just so, plug us in with that so originally it was uh i was sponsored by a company called mobot and they did uh the robot lawnmower service uh then um i forget what it was originally called slamo had a had several names before it became slamo and um, it was Slam Mo, as in mow your grass, uh, originally. And then um, COVID hit, and Mobot kind of took a really big hit, and they, they stopped sponsoring everything that they were sponsoring, including me. Uh, so um, because we weren't sponsored by them anymore, I just took the W off the end of it. And uh, it's Slamo, because uh, it says what it does. It slams, it slams things. Uh, so it was... It was <laughs> Originally, it was going to slam and mow. There was going to be a little blade on the front. There was going to be a whole 
video of it cutting the grass as well as as well as picking things up. Okay. Um, and that's that's kind of where it came from. And I just dropped the W yeah. when I dropped the mowing side of things, and that was it. Okay. So what's the I guess plug us into how does Slamo kind of look, right? What's the design and what'd you say the size and even the key features? What what separates Slamo from any other robot? We put Slamo next to the first robot, and Slamo is about a third of the size of the first robots, uh, but is um, twice the weight of the first robot. So, Slamo is in reality, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a rectangle. It's kind of short going forwards and backwards, and fairly wide. The wide wideness gives it a really good turning. It gives, makes it really agile. Uh, and then the front of the robot's got these curved, super thick curved armor on the front, which is like half inch thick AR500 steel, which is super robust. AR500 steel is heat is is a sp- sp- uh, specifically treated steel, so it's hard on the outside, kind of soft in the middle. It can flex and it can kind of it's abrasion resistant, so it's it's fairly interesting material. But that's a whole other thing <laughs> I could talk about. Um, so the front of it's kind of curved and it's fairly thick, and then I've got these uh, these really thick, uh, super thick, like inch and a half thick, kind of forks that go over the top and underneath. So they run down on the floor. They can scrape the paint off the arena floor, which they hate me for because every time I drive forward, I'm taking the paint off the floor. The way they've just painted the floor, and I'll just peel it up, and there'll just be these like these train marks where my uh, where I drive around. Uh, and then it's got four wheels on the on the outside, uh, two on the left, two on the right, and uh, yeah, it's silly fast for a robot. So we fight inside a 40 by 40 foot arena and I can cross the arena in 0.6 seconds. Mm. So um, it's top speed is around 25 miles an hour, which is reasonably high, but it's it's zero to 25 miles an hour is is astonishingly quick. And we don't use magnets yet. So some teams use magnets to give more downforce so they can accelerate faster. That's next. I'll try and figure that stuff <laughs> out later. But it's got a big googly eye. It's got a bright pink mohawk like I used to. Um, um, <laughs> and uh, it's kind of weird looking in reality. It's not really a character, but it, it looks, it's got character. Okay, okay. So you, you mentioned that you, you kind of redesigned Slammo, right? So what, what were the challenges that you faced when you were like building and, and refining Slammo? Were there any challenges? There's plenty. I played rugby when I was a kid, and my, my coach would always tell me that there's no such thing as a loss. It's just a lesson, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really great, great way to look at things. There were definitely losses, though. We definitely <laughs> got our ass kicked. And that happens in BattleBots as well. But every time you lose, there's something to learn from it. Why did you lose? How could you have done something differently? So um, the original idea of Slammer was it was this multi-weapon front end that we could adapt to whoever we were fighting. Um, the problem with that is it's super expensive to do that. So you build one robot that is like... $8,000 to build the frame of the robot, and then you spend another $12,000 doing all of the different front ends. So you have to kind of uh, balance what you can afford. So without a big sponsor like we had when we first started, you have to kind of like na- start narrowing down what you need and adapting to what you think you need and how you think you can pay for it, because that's another thing. So one of the big things, as it is for first as well, is uh, the affordability. You can build a battle bot for under $10,000, but if you want to be competitive, you're going to have to up that. You're going to have to at least triple that number and probably quintuple that number if you want to get up there with the guy with the guys that are winning it. I lost the workshop that I was in uh, for a while, so that was a huge, huge issue. And then we lost sponsors, so you start outsourcing things, and outsourcing costs money. And so 
<laughs> when you can't afford it, you end up, it's like, well, the rules of, it, of production are what? It's, uh, it's cheap, fast, and good. Pick two. If you want it to be good and cheap, it won't be fast. It's going to take a while to do. And if you need it quickly, it won't be cheap. So you kind of play this balancing act of what you can afford, what you actually need, and, and you know, trying to get there. So uh, some teams are really, really good at getting money together, just like in first, and some teams are not. <laughs> I feel like design-wise, I do pretty well. Um, but uh, I don't think I execute it as well as, I, as, as well as I could do. So. BattleBots is, is competitive robot fighting, right? Are there any other robots out there that, you know, Slammo might be a little rival of? Do y'all have any uh, <laughs> opponents that you're like, oh, that, that robot right there, we're ready? We, you know, every, <laughs> for the most part, like, like 99 times out of 100, everybody at BattleBots gets on super well. Like, we're all good friends. It used to be, it's a bit less so now, but it used to be the battle boss was just two weeks drinking with your friends and you'd, you could then go on TV and fight robots. <laughs> it's a little bit more like serious now as, as the TV show is beginning to get a little better, but it's still just two weeks of hanging out with your friends. I don't have any real rivalries. I've got people that I would love, I'd love to beat them, but they're like people I fought before. Okay, pl- plug them in. What, what robots are they? Plug so I'd love, I'd love another shot at Hypershock. Um, they're one of the bigger guys. They helped me out a bunch. Uh, they've helped me kind of get my drive working. Uh, and I would love a shot at Hypershock again. Uh, I fought them in 2021, and they, they whooped my ass. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I want another shot. I've got a much better robot now. I reckon I can take you. Um, right. And then there's Witch Doctor, who, uh, same thing, 2020, I fought them. I very nearly beat them. Um, but uh, <laughs> they did beat me, so I'd love another shot. Like it's like the way I see it is like you see the you see where you've progressed from. So if you were fighting these people and you lost to them, if you fight them again and you're still losing to them, you're not getting any better. Or they've gotten so much better that you can't overcome them. But it shows your own progression. If you could take on somebody that kicked your ass and then kick their ass, it's like yeah, I've improved. <laughs> so it's not really rivalry, but I'd love to fight those two. Okay. You're making me want to come to a BattleBot competition. I need to get out to Vegas to, to, to watch one. So is there are there any, like, notable victories that just kind of sticks in your head? Like, oh, man, that was a, that was a good one that, like, Slammo really achieved in any competition? So on the show, I'm pretty famous for having what face, the BattleBots Facebook group calls the worst robot on TV. <laughs> uh, but outside of TV, uh, there's a bunch of live events. There was one down in Orlando. There's one in Houston last year. Um, and I usually do really well at those. I almost always place. And then when it gets to the TV show, something always seems to go wrong. But I have won fights on TV. So like the the biggest TV fight that I won uh, was against a guy called uh, Evan, and he had a robot called um, Pain Train. And I grabbed him, and I suplexed him, and I shoved him around. And uh, (laughs) I ended the fight by, I've got these upper arms, and I, I shoved one of my upper arms into his weapon to break it. And it's like I, I, it was directly in front of me, and I lined it up. I was like right there, and I rammed him into the wall, and my my arm went in. I stopped his weapon. His weapon died. He was completely dead. And I backed away. I was like, "Yes, I've won! <laughs> Amazing!" Wow. That was that's probably my favorite one. But I've had a bunch of fights in the on the live scene that were that were really great, and uh, I wish I wish I wish they were televised because they make me look a lot better than the TV show makes me look. Oh, good. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. So, have you gotten any feedback from like any fans or? Judges about, like, Slemo's design or performance? So, I mean, uh, in the last season, the one that just finished, um, we had electrical issues, which is 
where people like Hypershock have come in because they've solved those electrical issues on, we have basically the same setup. There was a lot of like, if you could just fix those electrical issues, you'd do a lot better. I'm like, I know. There's a, an arena marshal and he's like, if you do this, then you, this, will, this will mean that you're more competitive and you could probably do this, this. Like there's another robot out there similar to us called Claw Viper. And it's like, well, if you could do this, then you'd be as good as Claw Viper. I'm like, I don't want to be as good. I want to be better than Claw Viper. <laughs> um, so the, you get a lot of help from people. The judges, less so. They, they, they're trying to stay as neutral as possible. Trying to stay as neutral as possible. But uh, I built my robot like one of the judges used to build his robots. And he's, he's pretty biased towards me, which is always great when it comes to a judge's decision. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in just like, you know, as being a, a first robotics mentor to the Cyber Bears and there's, specific rules within FIRST Robotics. I'm interested in how the rules kind of work within BattleBots, right? Um, so do the rules kind of change? Does you have to, like, redesign Slamo like, to cater to the rules of how BattleBots is supposed to be running? Sort of. It's very different from how... So first, obviously, they have a new game every year and they've got a new rule set every year. Mm-hmm. Our rule set is fairly stable. Um, it's a 250-pound weight limit. We have to be smaller than 14 by 14 feet. Uh, Slamo is like 27 by like 24 inches, and it's like 9, 10 inches tall. But there are robots that are 14 feet long by like 8 feet wide, and it's really funny to see this tiny little robot fight those. But in terms of like the rules, the rules are generally the same. So um, most of the rules that they change for us are uh, safety-related, we have to have a switch that activates our drive and weapon separately. That was a that was an important change, uh, and we also have to have an LED indicator that tells the 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 team that goes into the arena after the fights are finished that our robot is still on and active. Um, so, those are the kind of rules. Almost all of our rules get changed for safety. Um, I would love to see BattleBots really shake it up <laughs> and do like a, a motorsport thing where they go, okay, in 2025, these, this is what the rule set is going to be, and then it changes everything, like lower the weight limit by 50 pounds or, uh, or things like that, lower the tip speed limit of the weapons down further or things like that, and it would really shake up the field. Then something like that would happen, but they don't tend to do it. They tend to react to kind of safety things and add them in later, but because my robot is quote-unquote boring to some people, it doesn't really ever need to change um, I put my safety covers on, I put my extra switch in, and that's it. I'm I'm pretty set for probably the next two years. Okay. Okay. So so I guess the the seating of, of BattleBots, right? Um uh, you, you told me that Slammo made the round of thirty two in twenty twenty. That did. that seems like a, a how out of how many robots is, is that uh, that th- that number? So I think in twenty twenty it was like sixty robots. Oh wow. We were ranked twenty eighth. Uh, which was really low. Uh, we were the lowest ranked positive. <laughs> there were robots with worse records than us that were ranked above us, which really annoyed me. But we, you know, that was the that was the highest ranking that we achieved. So the following year we didn't have to qualify, but then every year after we we have to qualify. So Battlebots takes the top 32 every single year. And they've made the field smaller. So in 2021 it was nearly 70 robots. And this this last year in 2022, it was down to 50, and I think they're going to stick at 50 now. So we've got to be within the top 50 to qualify. Okay, that's amazing. So it seems like you're 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 very busy with uh, you know mentoring a first robotics team, um, you know your your career job as well as as BattleBots. So how do you really manage to to you know have to travel to do all these different 
BattleBots events and, and, and mentoring? How do, how do you manage all of this? Um, I've learned a technique called um, sleeping while you drive, um, <laughs> which is where you, you, you're, you're physically driving down the road but you're, and your eyes are open, but you, you're, you're technically asleep. Your brain has shut down. I think that's the only way I can describe it. That's the only way that it, I can get it to work. Um, I don't know how I managed to do it with first being the way it has been and building Slamo for the, uh, the qualifying season, which uh, officially started about, uh, about a month ago. I don't know how I do it. <laughs> I've got a regular job that I'm doing uh, probably 50-ish hours a week. I go home in the evenings and um, work on the robot for two, three hours and then spend the rest of the day with my wife. And then some days I'm off with the, with the girls doing robotic stuff. And then I lose some weekends for, uh, to first. I lose some weekends to, to, to BattleBots. And then uh, I have some one or two weekends a year spent with my wife, which uh, whew, that's getting, it's getting tough to manage. <laughs> Yeah. So I have no idea how I manage it. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, you're doing it though, so that's amazing. I I really appreciate you plugging in all of your all of your stories throughout, you know, first robotics as a mentor as well as BattleBots. You definitely taught me a lot. So, you know, it really seems like, you know, competitive robot fighting is becoming more and more popular. Um, where do you really see the future of it going? Is there any where do you see it going next? So there's a there's a a three-pound competition. So BattleBots, like boxing, has different weight divisions. And there's a three-pound robot robot class called the Beetleweights. And they have um, a huge event which happens. They do like a championship that is like you qualify for it. They do like once every two months they have an event up in Norwalk in Connecticut in a facility that is purpose-built for for this. They're, they're really lucky they found a billionaire who loves robots and he's he's just kind of throwing money at it. It's, <laughs> it's terrific. Uh, God bless you, Austin. And so the real future is so that event is live streamed. So it they start at 10 o'clock in the morning. They run until 10 o'clock at night. It's a 12 hour show and they run through like 200 robots a day. And it, it's like watching um, like a junior division of BattleBots. A lot of guys... Uh, somebody like Huge, somebody like uh, Sawblaze, guys that do really well at BattleBots, they really, really got their start at places like Norwalk. And um, Norwalk Havoc, it's on YouTube. Thoroughly recommend watching it and catching up on it. You see me pop up every now and then. I've been there a few times. It's, it's really good fun. But that's kind of where I see... I see it kind of developing away from like the entertainment side of, of TV and moving really closer into like the sporting side of TV. You look at something like First, for example. First feels like a sport that, is a, that has robots in it. BattleBots is a sport that f is trying to be entertaining. And um, I think the future is that for BattleBots is to really push that sporting element. Because what they really want to do is they want to, because it's in Vegas, they want to like, do betting on it. But you can't do that until, until you really legitimize yourself as a sport. And uh, once they do that, they can put betting on it, and then they can start making a lot of money from it. So there's a, there's a lot that can come on with it, but I think the future is turning it from entertainment into a real sport. Okay. The future, the future is bright. Well, BattleBot Craig, we appreciate you plugging in. How can our you know listeners really you know check out your your BattleBot, stay in touch with you, support your robotic team uh, within First as well? Plug sure. plug in your uh, your your information for us. So uh, I'm on all of the major uh, social media uh, sites as at Team Danby, 
T-E-A-M-D-A-N-B-Y, and I'm on Facebook and all of that. Um, through there, I'm, I'm tagged through uh, by my girls everywhere. They tag me on absolutely everything. So GeForce Robotics, I think they're GeForce Robotics on most things, but they might be GeForce FRC Robotics on a couple of other things. But they're up there. Um, if you can find me, you can find them. Please do support the girls. The girls are far more important than me playing with my toys. So um, <laughs> if, uh, if you want to help anybody out, if there's a sponsor out there who's like, hey, maybe I'll sponsor a Babar. Don't sponsor me. I'm fine. I've got a good job. Uh, sponsor the girls. Look after the girls. Look after the kids that are coming through STEM. Uh, if you're not going to sponsor me, sponsor the Cyber Bears so they can get, some, uh, they get somewhere as well. So, um, yeah, I'm all on there. Well, we appreciate you again plugging in Battle by Craig. Thanks for tuning in.